I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is the West Block, politics, perspectives, and players. Artificial intelligence is changing our lives. With voice assistants like Siri and Alexa, self-driving vehicles, and through search engines that monitor our browsing habits, this is just the beginning of how AI will change our daily lives. So what role does the government play when it comes to artificial intelligence, and should policymakers regulate this cutting-edge technology? Joining me now from London, England, is Kenneth Kukier, who is the senior editor at The Economist and a fellow at the Oxford Said Business School researching artificial intelligence. Kenneth, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is such an interesting field, and there's been a tremendous amount of debate when it comes to artificial intelligence and how to regulate it. What do you think that governments should consider before they start moving forward with making these regulations? Well, the most important thing is opportunity. If we look only at the negatives, we're going to shape the regulations that try to prevent things from happening, and that's important, but we're going to be missing the great opportunities. So the most important thing, I think, is to have an open mind and to recognize this is going to transform lots of things, and we need to seize the great benefits of it. Once we do that, then we sort of need to balance out the drawbacks as well as the opportunities, and the drawbacks are easy to see. I think our minds are primed to being critical, certainly in the media, as policymakers. The benefits are less obvious. And so it's important that we keep that open mind and try to reimagine what the world looks like by applying these new, really interesting tools to it. When you think about the benefits versus the drawbacks and you're creating these regulations, you know, you think about maybe some of these Hollywood movies where artificial intelligence takes over. On the other hand, it's made life so much easier when you can just say something and your search comes up. What are the benefits and the drawbacks in terms of government perspectives when it comes to AI? Okay, so the, the first and most important thing to remember is that technology is not Hollywood. Hollywood is there to be thrilling and to scare us out of our socks. And they do a great job of it, but it's Hollywood. It's entertainment. It's fiction. We can learn from it. It's fiction. What's the great opportunity? This is a way with which we can understand things far beyond what our own minds actually indicate to us what it is or how to do things or how to understand things, what is truth. It's a little bit like statistics in the 19th century in which we had we could numerate things and understand things in entirely new ways. And we brought people to the moon and safely back based on using statistics for things that we didn't understand but had to put a probability to. We're doing something similar to that with AI, but on a souped up level, solving problems that we could never solve before. So an example is, of course, obviously DeepMind, AlphaGo, the world's most powerful algorithm to playing either chess or the ancient Chinese board game Go, and beating the best human. But more importantly, they apply that same form of algorithm to the cooling in their data centers at Google, and they found that they could get a something like a 40% energy efficiency gain. And so by getting that gain, not only does Google save some money, but we reduce the carbon emissions in the planet, and so we alleviate climate change. That way of thinking about this technology that we'll be able to do things that we could never do before by surpassing our natural intelligence by applying it to this souped up computational algorithmic intelligence will go to every domain in society. So if it's healthcare, we're gonna get better outcomes, lower the costs. If it's energy efficiency, we're going to be able to reduce carbon emissions and heat our planets. If it's agriculture, we're gonna get more yields out of the same acreage of land and use less pesticides. Everywhere we look, when we apply this technology, we're going to see incredible gains. Not to say there's not drawbacks, but let's first remember the gains. 
So what areas of AI, with that in mind, do you think should be regulated? Well, the, the first is going to be the most obvious and basic. We have to make sure that if we apply this to people, that the data is clean, that there's no biases, even if they're inadvertent biases, and that we don't try to recreate the same prejudices that exist when human beings make judgments. For example, a cop wants to do a stop and frisk. The person's black or the person's white might determine whether the cop does the stop and frisk, and it might be discriminatory. So we need to be really careful that we're not perpetuating, in an algorithmic sense, the discriminations and biases that we have already in society. Once we get beyond that, we get into two other really crucial domains. The first one's privacy. The second one is called explainability. Privacy is kind of well known. We have to protect our privacy. There's something that's intimate to us. However, the way these technologies work is they actually rely on all of the data, the raw data, and even data that you didn't think was relevant. So we might find in certain settings we need to loosen the strictures on what we consider private so that we can get the value from this data. However, we need to be super cautious that we have strict privacy guidelines in other areas, and in particular, state surveillance. Okay, that's the first. The second thing is explainability. And it's a, it's a tough one to think about, but the way these technologies work at the most advanced level, we don't know how or why they came to their answers. And so as a result, we have as a society to make a decision whether we will accept the answers, even though we don't know how it was determined or whether we're not willing to accept the answers unless we know why. In the case of healthcare, we might except as a society that we're going to mischaracterize people and therefore some people who are sick won't be diagnosed correctly because we want to know the explanation of how the algorithm came to its conclusion. Okay, on the other hand, we might want to loosen up that stricture on explainability and accept the fact that we won't have, if you will, absolute causality of why the algorithm made its decision, but it's better than the alternatives and it saves people's lives. So I have to ask them, when I, when I think about something like Alexa, which a lot of people have in their house or the various other equivalents, uh, some people say completely worth it, don't care if anyone's listening to my conversation, nothing is that private I'm saying anyhow, and other people are saying, well, have you really thought about who might be listening in or how that data could be used in the future? It largely doesn't seem to be something that's been regulated, certainly not here in Canada. Do you have any concerns about that kind of technology which is already in people's homes? Yeah, absolutely. The people who are complacent simply don't understand. They don't really think about power, politics in the 20th century. This is such a tempting tool for even the most well-meaning people in the police forces and security services. It's, an, it's a tempting tool for people who don't share our values, people who are hackers who want to blackmail us, people who just want to get our credit card details and want to use it, or just enemies who want to use it for just nihilistic purposes and just practical jokers. The same problems that we've seen and the same vulnerabilities in the cybersecurity sphere and email and phishing, we're going to see in terms of AI and access to this data. So it's first really critical that there are safeguards that companies are liable if they don't actually protect the data to, a, to an adequate, what we would deem judici judiciously an adequate level of protection for the consumer benefit, for their own corporate benefit as well. But beyond that, we need to regulate the regulators. We need to make sure that government has strictures and constraints on how they use this information. For example, in America and Canada too, if you wanted to get 
the metadata who you call is a different legal standard than if you wanted to get the content of the actual phone conversation. Okay, that's the long history of why that's the case. If you wanted to get stored data from, uh, say, Gmail versus data in transit in real time, different legal standards. Fine. So we need to actually create these legal standards so that the data for law enforcement, when they need it, they can access it. But in other instances, they're not allowed to use it unless there's, unless there's a really a high bar for using it. Because if, if you think really about how the 20th, 20th century worked in places like Germany and Japan and the misuse of state power and how information abetted really terrible and dark things, the same thing can happen with AI in the 21st century. So do you think that governments are doing enough to put those kinds of safeguards in place? No, they are clueless. They're just getting their heads around the internet and web platforms. They haven't even thought about AI yet. And when they try to, they come up with ridiculous things. On one hand, they try to regulate privacy and particularly things like medical records as if it's the same as, as advertisements on a website and sort of presume that there's a sort of commercial element rather than a research element to it. And although the privacy regulators say that's not true, it is true because it puts a chilling effect on it. Even if there's a little out in the law, nobody avails themselves of that little out because they're too petrified of getting fined. In the same way, here in Britain, the House of Lords has come up with a recommendation that all algorithms should be explainable. That sounds like a decent thing on the surface. That does mean that for medical applications, some people will die who might not need to die because somebody couldn't explain to someone else how the algorithm reached its conclusion. What you really want to do is be able to validate on a continual basis that it performs better than alternative methods. That should be your standard. But the issue is not ripe enough. People haven't thought it through enough. And so government is far behind in this issue. In this issue. When governments are coming up with solutions, is it something that each country should be doing on their own? Or do you think that there really needs to be some kind of an international effort given the nature of AI and the internet and the way that information moves now? There is a view that we should all be internationalists. I think sort of our heart swells when we hear the term. And it's ideally that is the right way to do it. Practically, that would be madness. It's hard enough to get a trade agreement through and we've been <laughs> trading with each other for centuries. We're not going to make it with AI. Far better for on the national level for countries to come up with the most sensible policies. And then once we square that away a little bit, and I'm thinking about five or 10 years, we should think about what are the areas where we do need international coordination. Actually, we could start sooner. There's nothing to prevent us from thinking about these international issues sooner, particularly in the area of warfare and autonomous weapon systems. There we do need dialogue and dialogue right away. But for other things, too difficult. Just do it in your regional block, whether it's privacy regulation in Europe or whether it's explainability and it's Canada. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us, Kenneth Kutkier, with that uh, passion and information about AI. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today, but please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for the West Block. Have a great day.